Welcome to the Free Birth Podcast, a supportive space for people who are learning, exploring, and celebrating their autonomous choices in childbirth. Together, we'll unpack truths, share personal stories, and claim our ability to birth freely and intuitively. Here's your host, Emily Saldea. doing a four-part series over the next year with my friend Kim in Los Angeles, journeying with her from her birth work to leaving the system altogether into conscious conception to now having a wild and autonomous pregnancy and then finally her upcoming free birth. This episode is meeting with Kim at the end of her first trimester, wrapping up her journey thus far. just start with saying that um, we are joined today. I am joined today uh, with one of my dear friends, Kim from Los Angeles, and she is at this time of the recording 12 weeks. Mm-hmm. End of 12 weeks. Yeah. And she is still feeling um, quite nauseous and dealing with, with all of that fun first trimester stuff. Hopefully it's just first trimester. So um, we're, you're going to hear some crackling of the saltine paper and what other <laughs> snacks do you have with you? Um, I have some mango and a bagel and ginger (laughs) ale and water. You're like, and a lasagna and a salad. (laughs) If only. And I have chicken in the oven. Nice. Yeah. (laughs) So you might hear some food today to keep, to keep her nourished. So just deal with that, please. And, um, and yeah, I guess we will just go ahead and, 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 and welcome all of you listening into what we're doing with these. Um, this is going to be a series. Um, our goal is four. And uh, I asked him to do this with me because she is um, also a birth worker. And I know her from the doula community in Los Angeles. And she helps run our nonprofit um, in L.A. together. So um, she, which she'll speak to in a moment, but she is choosing to have a wild autonomous pregnancy and went through her own process of conscious conception. And, um, and then, you know, her intention is to free birth outside the system. And so I thought it would be really cool to track, um, her pregnancy and her birth and to check in with her at the end of every trimester. So our goal, like I said, is four. So at the end of the first, second, third, and then fourth trimester, um, and just kind of see what happens. And so she's, willing to include us in her process. And, you know, we've spoken before that we really hope to encourage and um, normalize anyone else who wants to do this. Um, So, yeah, what a better way than to just like check in with you and see how it's going. And, um, and let's just start there. So welcome, my darling. (laughs) Hi. Um, You know, kind of take us back and tell us a little bit about who you are and um, and kind of the, the precursor to where you are today. Yeah. Um, lately, as I've been reflecting on, on how I got to this place and how I arrived to choosing free birth and, you know, being pregnant now and and in this, in this choice, I really realized that this has been kind of a whole lifetime journey. (laughs) Um, I have starting from, I don't know, I guess my birth, which was actually, I didn't know this till later, but kind of a traumatic birth. Mm. Um, and that my mom, 
um, well, I, my head was pushed back into my mom's body while she was pushing because her doctor was at a party and wasn't there yet. (laughs) And I knew, I remember as a kid, my mom always saying like, you were so ready to come and they weren't ready for you. And, um, just kind of hearing these things. And it was not till many, many years later that I realized what that was and how traumatic that was for my mom. And she didn't even really realize that really until we had a conversation about it where she, she cried and it was a whole thing. But, Mm. um, I, I think in some ways it's really in my, um, just, I, I feel like this is, this has really been what I'm supposed to do in this life, <laughs> like taking back birth mm-hmm. and from, from my own birth and, mm. um, I have goosebumps. For, for all women. <laughs> yeah. God, of course. Um, I, you know, I resonate with that. It's, yeah. it's so, it's only the biggest thing ever, right? <laughs> No, no big deal. (laughs) The biggest taking back birth. Yep. Huge deal. Um, and so my journey towards motherhood has been, I, I've always worked with children and babies since I was like 12. I was the, the one who babysat all the kids. Um, I actually like dropped a baby down the stairs when I was 12. So I've come a long way. Oh my God. (laughs) They were fine. (laughs) But didn't always start off knowing what to do. It was a rocky start for kids. <laughs> <laughs> it was a rocky start. People trusted me with their babies. So, um, so I've always had an affinity to children and just been back and forth but throughout my life of like, I want to be a mother. I don't want to be a mother. Um, I, I love living my life and, and I love traveling. And so there was a period of time where it was like, no, this doesn't make sense. I can't fit this in. And then I met, you can't who, live your life with a I know. baby. <laughs> well, you know, this, no, that is the narrative. The, everything exactly. stops. Everything's ruined. You'll never enjoy your life. <laughs> your life your is freedom over. is gone. Totally. Totally. <laughs> um, so, you know, and, and another, a theme for me is that, um, I'm 32. So I feel like this has been like 32 years of undoing stories and, and retelling myself narratives. Mm-hmm. So that that's an example of one of the narratives I've had to retell myself. Um, you know, I started meeting families who had really cool lives and kids, right. um, and starting to see examples of like, Oh, you, you can keep being a person. Um, and your life doesn't stop. Well, and that's such a um, good example of one of the largest narratives in that, that we are stepping out of, right? So like, yes, yeah. rebirth is kind of uh, maybe the umbrella, like master mother of what we're stepping out of. But within that, there's so many other systems that yeah. we are looking at and, and, and narratives that we grew up with. So that kind of um, American or Westernized, like very boxed in, you go to school, you find your, your partner, you Mm -hmm. get married, you have a baby, you're locked into a job or you are a stay at home mom. If you're a woman and da, 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 da. It looks very certain. And so you better play in your twenties and you better travel (laughs) because then you're locked in. And, and of course we know many, you know, people, I, and I totally have done the same work of like, oh, wow, this is actually a, a certain narrative or system that you can actually just step outside of, and it doesn't have to apply to us. Yeah. It doesn't have to be the way that you, you choose to live your life. Um, and that was one of the many conversations my husband had when we, my husband and I, when we first really started having these conversations about wanting to conceive one of them being like, Oh, well we can still travel of like, you know, dreaming about things like someday we want to take a year where we travel around the world with our kids. Cause we've never, traveled around the world before, mm. and we can still do that with our kids. And that's so much more beautiful to be able to show them that. Um, so anyways, I, I, so I feel like my path has really been, you know, a winding one of figuring out who I am and what I want and finding the right partner. Um, 
the previous partner that I was with, I, I cared about so deeply. It was a very intense relationship, but very fast. And I remember going to a psychic and, um, I guess asking like, am I supposed to have kids? <laughs> I, I just had this sense of like, I don't know. I, I'm still trying to figure out, do I really want to be a mother? And you probably remember, I think this was maybe, I don't know. I'm sure you remember me saying I went through a phase of like, I'm never being a mother and mm-hmm. I don't want to have kids. Mm-hmm. So this was in that time. And the truth was I didn't want to have kids with that partner. Right. And I knew that if I stayed with them, that wasn't our path. Mm-hmm. And, um, and you know, and that is, and I think that it, it would have been fine if I, if that's the path I went down, but it wasn't the right relationship. But anyways, I remember he, him telling me something like, well, like there's these, there are these different paths. So it's, you know what, which is true. Um, there's one where you, you'll be with this partner and you, you won't have kids and you'll have this life and you'll be happy with that. Or there's another path another person. Um, and who, and he said who you already know and mm. ended up, my, I ended mm-hmm. up marrying one of my best friends. Mm. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and said there are children in that path and you'll be happy with that. And he said something like, I wouldn't tell this to every person, but with you, you are going to be satisfied with your life, whether or not you choose to have children. And there I was a that. great piece in that, in getting that answer for mm-hmm. me, where it was like, and again, it's like this, this narrative that you're told, like, if you don't have kids, you're going to regret it. Or if mm-hmm. you do have kids, you know, this, right. Of, you're fucked oh, either yeah. way is basically <laughs> how we are raised. Yeah. And so I, I, that was just an, a, a moment that I reflect on in this journey that where I realized like, you know what, no matter what I decide, I am going to be fulfilled with my life and I'm going to commit to that path. Well, and um, I think it's so important to, to, I mean, this is the work. This is the work of of being alive, that fulfillness mm-hmm. or happiness or peace. It doesn't come from this outside thing, including children. And so yeah. it doesn't come from traveling the world for a year or having the perfect husband or having your three kids in the perfect family or whatever, all of these like things yeah. that, you know, I, I, I think it's just so important to yeah, really like stop there for a second and remember that and to, you know, like take a breath there for anyone that's listening that maybe you're wanting children or you're pregnant now um, or you're not sure if you want kids or not. And and I love that. I love that someone reflected back to you, you know, your truth that you can be fulfilled and happy in whatever mm-hmm. path happens yeah. because there are so many things that are out of our control or, or, or that we just can't know and we shouldn't be waiting not that you were, but just that yeah. we shouldn't be waiting for yeah. something to yeah, fulfill I mean, us. And it, it really, there had to be, you know, a lot of this is, is, is coming down to this whole process I also went through in learning how to love myself and how to be, you know, just really finding my true self and feeling connected to myself before I, I could go down any of these roads. Um, I have a a pretty complex history with mental illness, with anxiety and depression um, that I suffered for many years and and postpartum or postpartum, (laughs) sorry, my brain, not postpartum, post-traumatic stress disorder um, from being sexually assaulted as Mm. a teenager or from being raped. And um, there was this whole huge healing process that I think very much is a process or a part of my conscious conception that I had to go through and go you know, over these mountains before I could, I could trust my body enough to, to be in the place that I am now. Um, and I think, yeah, I'm really grateful that I, that I went down those roads. I, I don't 
think I knew that it was going to ultimately take me to free mm-hmm. birth. But I think without all of that, I don't know that I would be here. Um, but this is conscious conception, like taking mm-hmm. to me anyway, and to you, like yeah. t- taking that time to face those you know, or go over those mountains and do your work and yeah. take the time, you know, to, uh, you know, find the right partner for you and all of the, the time, the slowness that that, um, evolves into is so, it's so potent and it, it, it lends itself to have a really, really ecstatic and joyful, uh, and peaceful experience, you know, yeah. and not that physically, I mean, it sounds very challenging, which we'll get into later, you know, the beginning of your pregnancy sounds like it's really been quite the rough ride, but, <laughs> yep. but in your heart and, and in your spirit, you know, I know mm-hmm. you obviously in real life. So I know that this baby was very wanted and, mm-hmm. um, and just how profound that you didn't have to go through what, you know, unfortunately so many women go through with an unexpected pregnancy, um, yeah. which is like, Oh my God, you know, <laughs> and it's not that we're, we didn't, we would go through a different, Oh my God, but with, with a wanted, uh, you know, intentional, you know, conscious conceived, um, consciously conceived child, there's so much work that goes into it beforehand yeah. that inarguably lends itself to more peace. It just, it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. So speak to that a little bit more. And then I also want to make sure we do talk about your birth work because that obviously is, is so interwoven into this, um, and, and has gone on for longer than you've been with your partner. Yeah. Um, so yeah. E- either way, however you want to take well, it. Well, so actually I feel like the, the, a, a lot of the work in, in accepting my body and healing the trauma that my body went through. Um, cause I remember when I was first sort of really dealing with the, with being raped, which I didn't, I didn't deal with it until about 10 years after it happened because I was drugged. Um, and so it was not a conscious memory ever. And it was, but it was very much a physical memory mm-hmm. and it was in my body and lived in my body because everything that happens to us is in our body and in our cells. Um, especially traumatic events like that. Um, and so, around the time, actually, after I went to my first birth. So, sorry, this is a a winding path story. So I ended up getting into birth work about four, over four years ago, four and a half years ago, through yoga, really, I became a yoga teacher, um, during the time of of a lot of the darkness. And um, that I was feeling I, I just yoga was one of the things that, that made me feel better. So Mm -hmm. I kind of got, as a lot of yoga teachers get like really obsessed with it for a little while and then decided like, I need to make this my life. I'm going to be a yoga teacher. I'm going to teach yoga all the time. And, and, um, you know, I want to share this because it it really did. That was one of the things that did bring me a lot of peace, or at least I have, I have a teacher who said that yoga is like a magnifying glass. Um, the practice of yoga, it magnifies everything in your life, the good and the bad. Mm-hmm. And I always think about that because it was just, it was another way that I was able to suss out, like, this is the stuff I don't need anymore. Mm. This is what I'm letting go of. This is what I do need. This is what's true to me. So I'm going through all that. I kind of fall into birth work because, um, I started teaching prenatal yoga just because I think someone asked me to sub a class and I was like, sure, I'll sub a prenatal, prenatal. I don't really remember. And and then apparently I was really good at it because the moms loved me. And, um, I guess there was like really positive feedback and someone said like, Hey, you should, you should teach prenatal yoga. So I took a training and, um, just totally fell into that. And I had heard the term doula before, but I, I was kind of learned more about what that was 
in my prenatal yoga training. And while I was doing that, I thought like, this seems cool. It kind of started as a business decision. Cause I was like, Oh, if I become a doula and I'm a prenatal right. yoga teacher, like I can get more clients. And mm-hmm. so I had that seed was a little bit planted at the time. I also started to nanny for a woman who was a birth doula, um, who was finishing up getting out of the game, um, because she just had her second child and I sort of unknowingly was her postpartum doula. Mm. I didn't really realize that's what I was doing, but it's totally what I was doing. Um, I just was around her while she was nursing and, um, and we talked a lot about a lot of things and she taught me a lot. Um, so during that time, she's, I'm teaching prenatal yoga and, and other kinds of yoga. She had her baby. We, we had a really very intense connection. Um, we've definitely like, lived lives together. And um, at a, a t- I, I remember there was a day where someone brought a placenta over. She did placenta encapsulation. And um, I was just hanging with her and her kids. And she was like, hey, do you want to see this placenta? And I was like, yeah, totally. Like super interested. And I hadn't been to any births yet. And I hadn't started my doula training yet. But I like was starting, I was reading birth books that she was letting me borrow. And I was getting really interested. And I remember like I put on gloves and she takes it out. And I'm just like touching it and so interested and enthralled. I thought it was just like the most beautiful thing I'd seen. And asking her a bunch of questions. And she was like, you know, I really think you should get into birth work. <laughs> and she was like, not many people get excited about right. placentas and touching them. And I think that, you know, this might be a path for you. And so we worked out a deal where she um, paid for me to do my training. And Aww. I sort of paid it off by um, helping her with, the placenta, with placenta encapsulation. She taught me how to do it. I did. She did tub rentals. So I would like clean the birth tubs and drop them off to people. I was just nice. kind of doing the stuff that, you know, she didn't want to do as because she had a, a three month old and yeah. um, helping her out. And it was a nice arrangement. So we did that. Um, and then I was teaching prenatal yoga and there was a woman, this was, in the summer, like four years ago, um, who just like one day after a class, I guess I mentioned that I was learning to become a doula and a, a woman just showed up and was like, Hey, or after the class, she came up to me and, and said, this might seem really weird, but I know you want to become a doula and you probably should go to a birth. And I really like you and I'm having a home birth. And Aww. if you want to come to my birth, I'd love to have you there. That's so and I was sweet. Like, okay. <laughs> Like really amazing. I didn't know her well. I was like, I was really touched that she just out of nowhere was like, Hey, yeah. want to come to my, this super intimate thing in my life. Um, so I went to her birth and, um, she had a doula, but her doula was actually pregnant at the time, like seven weeks pregnant and feeling not great. Um, so I kind of ended up being the main doula. Um, this was my very first birth. So, you know, just a part of me was like, I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm just showing up. <laughs> and, um, but it was because it was a home birth. It was, I feel like that was the perfect first birth. Right. But, oh um, yeah, for you know, sure. Mine were too. <laughs> because it was, you, you, we just, I just followed her lead. Like I just exactly. followed her around. You don't have to know I, anything. No, you just like, you know, she'd go in the bathroom and I'd be like, if she, if it seemed like she wanted me to go in the bathroom, right. I'd go in with her. And it was actually the 4th of July, which was really cool because there were fireworks <laughs> happening. Like what well, we would be, there was a moment we were like outside and there was fireworks. And I was like, do you want to go inside? Cause and she liked it. She was kind of into it. She was like contracting and there's fireworks. And I was just like, so 
again, just enthralled and engaged, like seeing that placenta just being like, wow, this is amazing. I don't even really know what's happening, but I'm just like in it and watching her and she just was so beautiful and Hmm. and just doing her thing. And, um, I, and her midwife was, was pretty awesome. I mean, it, it, it was actually one of the most hands-off births I've ever seen. Um, which is very lucky for my first was one of, was one of the most hands-off I ever saw too. Maybe that's why it all happened like that. Like to give us a taste (laughs) of what it could be like. Exactly. And that's what I've been telling. That's what I told. I've told a lot of newer doulas that I've sort of mentored over time (laughs) that as I've helped them process their first births that were always traumatic or almost always, or had, you know, intent elements that they were just like, Whoa, I didn't expect that. And I, you know, just to sort of honor their process and and be like, yeah, I know that's really hard. And like, to be honest, if my first birth hadn't been what it had, I I don't think I would have stick stuck around with this work. Mm -hmm. Um, because it, it, after that got really, really hard, you know? And so exactly, exactly what you said. I think that I, because I knew what birth could be because I saw it before I knew really anything else about birth, um, just with these fresh eyes and to get to witness that. And, and, um, you know, it was just like a regular birth and it yeah, was you saw a awesome. real unsabotaged, beautiful, <laughs> yeah. magical birth. Yeah. And, and, you know, when the baby, um, came out with the presentation with her hand presentation, she had her hands like in her face and no one, like there was no, it was like, whatever, just like stretched her a little bit more, but she bar- I don't think she even tore actually, but it was just so calm and just birth. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll never forget the, the high from mm. that, like coming home and I was with a different partner at the time, someone I had been with where I ended up being with for four years and thought would be a person I would have kids. We were very back and forth, but anyways, I remember coming home and I wanted to wake him up and I wanted to be like, Oh my God, like the miracle of life. This is just, was just, You're like, I, I don't know why like, I'm horny, but it. I am. And I seem to like tell everybody. <laughs> oh, it was just, it was like the most amazing thing. There are no words to describe the way I felt. And, but it was three in the morning and like, I don't know. I don't, I think I tried to wake him up and he didn't want to wake. He was drunk. Probably it was the 4th of July. So, you know, <laughs> he'd been at a party and I, I was just like, couldn't sleep. And, um, yeah, it just completely changed. I think like that was definitely a life changing, mm-hmm. um, time to see that it was just so beautiful. Um, and so then that happened and then um, months went by and I didn't, I didn't go to any other births or not because I didn't want to, I don't, it's very fuzzy, but around that time in those months is when I started to really get flashbacks of my, of my rape mm. when I was raped. Um, and things got pretty dark for a while. Um, and then I was supposed to go to birth and ended up not. And there, a few things happened where basically I didn't go to births and in retrospect, it's really good that I didn't because I was incredibly vulnerable at that time and just like crying all the time. There was a period of like a month where I was just crying like every day. Um, and my body was like reliving the trauma as I started to put the puzzle pieces together through in therapy of like what happened. And the last thing you want is to go to a hospital and see what they're doing to women there. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. So it was really great that in the end that I, you know, I had a a few months where, Mm -hmm. well, really almost a year, I think, I don't know. It was a while before I went to another birth. Um, and so then I'm, I'm going through this whole, like 
healing process, which was very intense and involved a lot of different elements. Um, sort of what I was speaking to before and these overlapped, then I get a little stronger and I start attending births. And once I started really like, okay, I'm a doula, I got my business name, the Yogi Doula. Um, I'm teaching prenatal yoga. Once the word was out, um, I just started getting so many (laughs) clients because my yoga students, they liked me, they trusted me. They already felt comfortable with my energy, um, or whatever it was for them connected to me. So I, I started just dove in and was doing, you know, several births a month. Um, and at first it was crazy. <laughs> and I started seeing all kinds of insane things that I did not understand right. what I was seeing, you know, as, and I didn't really have that many mentors at the time. And this was before I'd met you. And I really wished that I had met you sooner or a few other people who ended up being really important in my life as, as just friends and mentors, because I really had no idea. Um, well, and and you don't so, know, like, I mean, I remember when I first, for years, the shit that I saw happen at the hospital, I remember not questioning it. Mm-hmm. Even yeah. though now, like some of those memories are burned into my heart and my, and my mind and they're horrific, but yeah. in the beginning and, and probably in large part because of our training, right? The training yeah. is so like this so this could happen. Here's a vacuum extractor. Here's a episiotomy exactly. scissors. Like this is all perfectly fucking normal. And yeah. So and I after didn't even know home birth, it. I was like, I start, I kind of was like, but why was it so, why was that birth so different? Right. You know, and I think I did have some questions about it, but then I thought, well, well, like this, apparently this is what birth is. Like and, more and births are. not just what birth is, but this is what doulas do. Yeah. yeah. Right. Because like our you place just follow in along. It, it, yeah. That, that's where I think, I didn't question it for so long was like, not that I thought that those births were great or anything, but I was just like, well, this is just my job. I just go to hospital first and I prefer home births, but anyway. Yeah. I mean, yeah, exactly. It's just, it just became like, it's your job. It's what you do. And in the training, you know, there is so much stress about like not judging and not judging women's birth decisions. Um, you know, and it it just took me a really long time before I realized that women didn't actually, they weren't actually making their own decisions, you know? And so, so I was looking at it as like, Oh, that's just the decisions that, you know, it's, they're making their, I, yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think this is really important, you know, because I, I know a lot of doulas listen to this podcast and, um, I, I don't think that we're unique at all in, in mm-hmm. navigating this and in feeling confused about it. Um, yeah, there's just so much implied complacency and submissiveness. And then this very um, misogynistic thing that I think got planted in so many of us around like our job is just to help reframe the birth. You know, I've talked yeah. to so many women who have had traumatic births and um, who actually felt very hurt by their doula attempting to reframe or to focus on the positives because obviously imagine if someone tried to do that with your, you know, assault. I mean, it's, yeah, that would be, you know, and, and why is that like ludicrous of course, no one would try to reframe your rape. That's not, I don't think, I mean, that's, that's not nearly as normal as, as what people do to birth rape. It's, mm-hmm. it's wild. Yeah. And it, it was definitely, there was a process later in my birth work that I had to go through to kind of 
you know, forgive myself in a way of all oh, the yeah. times I did that because I did. Mm-hmm, and and again, it was very unknowing and, and it's, and it's really painful. Yeah. Some of those memories, like you said, burned and, you know, I have that too, of just feeling so helpless yeah. and, and watching, you know, women be cut without being told they can, or just things happening. And again, you just feel like, well, this is just what's happening. And, and I'm, I'm like silent and, uh, you know, or, or it, we're it, like holding their hand. Or holding, yeah. Or I mean, some of telling them they're okay. Oh, it's, it's, it's so painful. I have so yeah. many memories of that, of like the, the doctor looking to me as, you know, as I'm the one that like is supposed to keep this hysterical bitch, you know, calm yeah. while they're, you know, pulling a baby out of her or holding her down with a team of people. And I just no. did it. And I just would hold her hand and look in her eyes and say, you know, it's going to be okay. And you know, see that, see these women uh-huh. leave their bodies and oh my God. Yeah. It took, and it's like crazy that it took so long. I mean, I've done this for a long time and it really took yeah. many years. So actually I want to go to that for a second where I'm curious about where this for you especially with such serious um, history of trauma and violence happening to you and then also so actively working on that. Um, Yeah. And then, so like, when did you start to kind of piece these pieces together that you were actually witnessing rape, abuse, violence, et cetera? Yeah. I think it, it really wasn't. So I, I, I try to think about like, was there a moment and, um, it really was just, it was a, a slow process. Um, it was a, a combination of finding other doulas, like meeting you was a really big, I think, part of my journey because I remember, I remember the first time, I don't know if you remember this, but the first time we ever met several years ago, we had like, it was because of Miri. Because kitchen you were mouse. Doula. Yeah, kitchen yeah, of mouse. of course I remember. And, well, I feel like it was so long ago, but I don't know. It was a few years ago, but I just remember, I don't, I don't even remember exactly what we talked about, but I feel like there were just things that we were just chatting. Like it was just because we we're like, like Oh, we're both doing We should totally. meet. It was a doula date. And I think we had a few friends, mutual friends. And there was just like a lot of people in my life had been saying like, you need to meet Emily. <laughs> so I, so I did. And, um, I just remember a feeling of like, you validated a lot of things for me. I think that I had questions about, or that I was just like, isn't this kind of fucked up? Like right. this, is, this doesn't seem right. And I, I remember just in our short, or however long we spent, like just feeling like less alone or like, mm. or like, Oh, I'm starting some of the questions that I'm having. I'm not wrong to have these questions. And I had a few other interactions with other people, other doulas mostly. Um, and, I guess. And, and it, 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 yeah, it's such a process. So it's really hard to pinpoint when exactly it was and probably reading things. I, I'm a huge birth nerd as, as birth workers tend to be. So I was also throughout while I'm attending births, you know, just reading all everything, like devouring everything I can about birth books, podcasts, um, everything. And, you know, of all different kinds of viewpoints. And, and so I think that a combination of just like learning more and, and then this feeling that is deep in my bones, that was really from, you know, that first birth. But I think that that goes back into maybe, I don't know, many, many lifetimes ago, something that I just knew inside my soul. Right. You're a woman. This feeling of like, yeah. 
this is not what birth it needs to be. Like, yeah. this is not, right. we're doing it wrong. <laughs> yeah. And so I think, yeah, it was, it was a slow process, but it was like very similar to the way that I put together that I was raped. Actually, mm. it was like a puzzle. My, my therapist had me do this activity where I, um, she was an art therapist and she gave me a blank puzzle and was like, just make these puzzle pieces into like, however you want to fit into the, the puzzle of like, this happened to me. And so I, I had, you know, all I, so I w- went back through like the, the decade of life experience post this traumatic incident happening to me and, and kind of was able to see, it was a really cool activity because I was able to, to just make my own artwork and it was, it only made sense to me and mm. then put it together and was like, okay, I was raped. Like that was what that was. And so I think in a very similar way with birth, I, I had all these puzzle pieces and it was like going through all the memories of things that I saw, questions that I had Mm -hmm. talking to other people, um, and, you know, reading work from like sister Morningstar, different midwives and just starting to learn like, Oh, this isn't this yeah, like I said, that this is not how birth has to be, and and um, and this is actually very wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, it was it was a process. But as I started to accept it, I guess, or, or really like get woke to it, I began meeting more people, and more people came into my life, and and getting just more confident in in what I was starting to see and understand. Um, and, and so it helped a lot, like, get having other people to talk to that totally. were like, oh, yeah. Well, because um, as we know, I mean, so many doulas, including ones who have been doing it for a very long time, uh-huh. are not vocal about how effed this whole thing is and are not vocal about what they're seeing and actually are quite committed to the reframing yep. and the complacency and the being, you know, this whole thing that, you know, any doula is familiar with of like, yeah, it's not the best, but like someone should be with them. Mm-hmm. You know, which I find disgusting. I find that like tr- way of thinking super, super harmful. And I don't understand, <laughs> to be honest, how people can do like hospital births for decades Years, and, yeah. and not feel traumatized by this. Oh, not, I, they know, do. Of course they do. They have to. But, 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 but I think we are experts <laughs> at compartmentalizing and yeah. re- like I just said, reframing and going like, well, at least somebody's with them. And, you know, another very real thing that's a bit more practical is when you've built a business around this mm-hmm. um, you then, you know, you have one of two choices when you start to get woke to how unethical this is. Um, what are you going to do? Yeah. What are you going to do? You either have to not go there and not look at it and come up with some creative, uh, mental gymnastics of how to stay in the game. Um, or, you know, you, you, uh, like you and I go fuck this and ditch it, you know, which is not easy. It's way, way, way harder. I was making a lot of money attending women in captivity and accepting their money and watching them be, um, brutalized. I was making a lot of money doing that. Um, and it was not financially easy to stop doing that. As yeah. you already know, and obviously probably most people who listen to this, because it's not the first time I've said it, um, it just got to a point for me where it was like, I can't, I can't, I can't ignore this. I can't act like I'm actually making a difference. Um, yeah. Because we're not. 
and that was a that was um a scary part of my process in realizing I have to stop attending these births in captivity. Right. Totally. <laughs> and how and how do I do that? Because again, like it was a big part of my um, livelihood. Totally. And, and your so, identity and your, and, and your place and community and you were getting clients so easily. Like I totally mm-hmm. relate to that. And, and obviously what it's like 95% of people are birthing in, in the hospital and then a very tiny percent are birthing at home. And if you are going to attend home births, LA is a pretty darn good city for that because there are a, a, quite a bit of home births. Um, I mean, it's all relative, but you know, it's, it's not a like big city, the middle so of nowhere, yeah, more um, people, but it's still all yeah. with licensed midwives. So mm-hmm. that's still to some degree, very much a branch of captivity, obviously. Yeah. And in, in my opinion, a lot of the midwives in Los Angeles are fairly conservative or there, there's a lot of, yeah. Let's, let's replace the word conservative with medical. Maybe. Yeah. Okay. That's a better word. <laughs> Cause that is <laughs> what it is. Yeah. Medical. Yeah. And, and you know, and, and, and needing to protect their licensure. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's true everywhere. Yeah. So, so yeah, let's keep going then. Okay. So now you're right. <laughs> deep in your birth work and your own self-awareness and, and healing of your own life stuff. And you're starting to, um, really not be able to ignore what you are mm-hmm. seeing. You and I have met at this point and have become friends. Um, so now we're a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. And I, I start to then get more vocal with clients, like more honest. Um, I would say I, I, I started feeling comfortable. I started feeling comfortable deciding like, you know what, there are certain hospitals where I just had so many yeah. traumatic experiences that I cannot attend birth For there. Sure. And then feeling confident to kind of explain why, or when that's all, that's always a tricky, that's a whole other conversation, but, um, you know, we're just saying no to, to certain births or knowing that and like I setting my boundaries, it shouldn't be a whole complicated conversation to say, I don't go yeah. to that hospital <laughs> or I don't birth with that doctor because this is why this is what I saw him do last week. This is what I saw him do a year ago. And I, could never in good conscience, you know, go with you into that birth and act like you're going to get what you want. Like, why is that feel as yeah. doula so it, radical it feels and so, so like dangerous? It feels and, radical and it feels so hard to like, to tell people that like, no, you know, know, you don't, you don't want to like hurt them. I don't know. But then that, I, then I always, what gave me the confidence to get over that. So for anyone listening, that's resonating with this conversation. What I <laughs> crinkle, crinkle, <laughs> no, don't be, it's all good. Um, Saltine. yeah, exactly. What I remember thinking because I was in an abusive relationship and then I got out of that. And, um, and then I remember a, another woman in my social community started dating said man. And, mm. um, I, was like, someone has to tell her, like, whether it's me or someone else, someone has to tell her that he's dangerous. Yeah. Um, and it was also when I was attending a lot of births. And so I was like, wait, why is this any different? Why is this any different? Because actually he didn't do nearly this kind of stuff to me that I'm seeing doctors do to women. And so yeah. why is there this veil of, of acceptance I mean, obviously we know why it's the fucking patriarchy and it's our socialization and, you know, that we're meant to be silent and men can do anything, especially doctors and our whole, our whole complete loyalty (laughs) to the system. I mean, we actually know what it is, but, um, I remember helping just really take it there in my own heart and go, you know, if there was a rapist in my community, um, 
I would not be silent about that. Absolutely not. And there have been rapists in our community and I wasn't yeah. silent about it and, or a woman abuser or whatever. And so I'm, I am um, unwavering willing to deal with whatever social uh, backlash there could potentially be about that. And I have in the past. And so I just finally realized like, why, why am I silencing this whole other pretty parallel situation? Yeah. And actually it's even more unethical because I'm accepting money you know, yeah. and that these women have no idea. So anyway, I just, I totally relate to that. It's, and I think a lot of doulas do. It's a, it's weird how silenced we are willing to be. Yeah. And it's weird how almost taboo it is to discuss it with other doulas too. Like I, I remember feeling like almost secretive as I started asking other doulas, like, so how much do you tell people? <laughs> like, right. you know, like how, oh. how honest are you with them? And, and so I, as I started to get more confident on one of the things that you know, it's challenging is, is feeling like I would try to tell people everything that, that I knew or, you know, in, in, and I always tried to be respectful of them, but, um, you know, many times they wouldn't listen to me. Um, or, you know, you get a lot of the response of like, there's, it's just, it's the, the authority of the doctor at the end of the day still like overrules everything else for many people, not with everybody, but you know, um, right. And those aren't yeah. women that we want to serve anyway. And that's kind of what, where I ended up landing. Um, though that was a difficult decision because I, I do have a little bit of bleeding heart syndrome sure. and like wanting to help everyone that, and, and, you know, um, it, it was a process to be able to realize like, I can't help that, everyone. And that's and, and, exactly it is. I think it, you know, many women, especially birth workers relate to that and the whole like wanting to help, but actually, are we helping when we go with women yeah. who are, who are, you know, with known predators like is, and if we've I've tried our best to say, Hey, he's a predator. This is the deal. Da, 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 da. I have found more influence um, and more changing by saying he's a predator. This is why I don't attend births with him. Um, and if you still choose to, you know, of course that's, that's your, that's your prerogative, but, um, these are my boundaries. And the, mm. the, the firmer I got about that, um, because, and this is what's the most important thing. I am saying this, you are saying this from a true space of love and a true yeah. space of loyalty to women. Women are who we serve. We don't serve the system. We don't serve doctors. We don't serve men. We serve women and their babies and their partners, but we serve women. And yeah. so I, I really was able to lock into, and it's obviously only grown sense of to speak the truth um, and to have our own boundaries is actually the most loving thing we can do. And then what happens from there? Oh my gosh, like how influential you know, I've been able to become from speaking my truth and speaking yeah. out against all this bullshit and um, so powerful, right? And really, really, really centering women and serving women. Um, and, and actually, you know, I think we both could make the case that you're not serving women to accept their money and pretend like you can help avoid a bunch of shit and then go with them into a hospital with a known abuser, um, and then feel terrible about it. Right. And mm -hmm. carry so much guilt. And I mean, how is that serving anything? I don't know. I maybe I'm sure there's another perspective to this, but I don't get it. <laughs> yeah. And, and you know, and that's ultimately why I decided that I couldn't do that anymore. Um, that I just couldn't. And, and so right now what it looks like is not attending births at all. Mm -hmm. Um, but that's, kind of jumping ahead. So, so, but you know, I, I was arriving to that place for a while, um, of just, yeah. 
<laughs> this isn't, I'm not helping and really in this way. It's painful. Um, really painful. And so getting, you know, more vocal, um, learning how to be more confident in my voice, which was, which was a really huge thing for me just as a person and in a major, um, way of growing that I had to really push myself. Um, I'm sure you remember, but like I undercharged Well, I always, I mean, most severely, do. I, I remember you having a talk with me and being like, <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> Charge more money. Like, yeah. I think I remember like one phone call in particular, I was just like crying and you were like my therapist and that phone call, like, because it was just like, I I'm, I'm like tired you know, coming away, like traumatized from, from these and and like not making that much money. And you can't put, right. And that's a whole nother thing. You can't put a price to the secondary (laughs) trauma. And that's, that's what I, you know, you can't. It's just, it gets way too weird, which is essentially what we were doing. Like I charged a shit ton to go to the hospital because it fucked me up. You know, and because I obviously had a lot of experience, but really it was like, I can't justify going there for under X amount. Yeah. Especially because, you know, I, I, once I started getting more solid with my self care, I realized that what I had to do to process a birth right. became pretty complex. And it was like, and I need like, you know, time to myself and I, and I need to do all of these things. Like I'm going to therapy and all, all these things. And so it, it was kind of a logistically like, well, I need more money because of right. how much I have self-care, to take care totally. of Totally. Right. You don't have to do <laughs> self-care after you go to an amazing, normal birth. You're like, yeah. even if I have found that even if it's a long birth, even if I've totally didn't get my normal sleep and, you know, of course that's very normal, especially with first time mamas, I feel so great after a birth. Mm-hmm. I feel rejuvenated. I feel like full of energy. That um, feeling that I described feeling after my very first birth you know, that, that's totally what it was. It was like, I just, I was like, I could just like, I wanted to just be like on rooftops yelling to everyone how amazing women are. Like, like the female body is incredible and I don't need (laughs) to sleep ever because I'm like so excited about it. Totally. And you know, and, and I did luckily get to attend a few more births like that, but honestly, over the births I attended over the years I did it, it wasn't that many that I felt that way after. Um, so Coming back to my journey, I, um, my husband, who's now my husband, he had been a friend of mine for a really long time. Actually, the partner that I mentioned that I had been with for four years, they were best friends. So there was a slight drama there. Um, but we, we, it was a while before we got together, but anyways, when we started, we started dating, we kind of accidentally fell in love is what we say. We, our, our first dance at our wedding was to fooled around and fell in love. Um, because that's that's what cute. Happened. It was kind of like, whoops, <laughs> didn't mean to do this exactly, but here we are. And it was, and it was amazing. But, um, he was just this incredible pillar of support for me that I hadn't had from a partner or even from a friend. Like, I would, so I was still, you know, having a hard time, you know, just feeling so deeply after breaths and I would come home. Um, and he, we moved pretty quickly in our relationship. We dated for four months and then we had an agreement that we wanted to get married. Um, so there was no, like, I was always so like, I the proposal thing is so stupid and patriarchal. Like, I'm like, you don't need to ask me or I don't know. I don't need to wait for you to ask. Like, I just totally, didn't like any of that idea. Um, so we just like, 
shook on it basically <laughs> like we You're like just gentleman's handshake <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, let's do it <laughs> you in you in okay <laughs> basically totally and i was so, like us too yeah and that was great um and then he moved into my studio apartment pretty shortly after which you'd been into it it was very small really small um <laughs> and we lived there for for well over a year so i feel like it's a really solid start to Hell yeah, seriously so I'd come home from births or leave for births, you know, in the middle of the night. And there's like, there's no way for me to not wake him up because we're in right. one room. Um, and I just could, I could walk in the door and he would wake up and he would just like pull me into, depending on the situation, but I could just like cry into his arms yeah. and he would, he would never complain about me waking him up or he just did yeah. anything I needed him to do. Like I remember one time I just really having a really hard birth and it, you know, I hadn't eaten in a long time and I, I was just like feeling horrible. And, um, and he was like, go take a shower. And he'd been asleep because <laughs> it was four in the morning and he just wakes up and he's like, go take a shower. I'm going to make you mac and cheese. And so he's just like making me mac and cheese, like waking up and, you know, had to work and stuff the next day. And he just was, was, so supportive. And I feel like having that kind of support really helps me to feel more confident and, and, and seeing that what I was doing to myself yeah. and not, you know, and helping that it, it wasn't healthful, healthy or sustainable or serving anyone, um, and how much it was hurting me. And so a lot mm. of conversations and, and, you know, just having his support and, and yeah, he was just really, um, important, part of me learning how to, I don't know, just in getting to where I was and learning how how to take care of myself. And so where, take me then from that into going back and forth of, do I want a child or not? So you guys are now engaged, you're living together, you have this wonderful support. Um, You and I have been friends now for a little while. And then when I left LA, um, I remember one of my last conversations with you was, just you really not knowing, um, yeah. but you did know who you wanted to be with and you had this wonderful person. Um, I think your wedding was relatively close, um, but just not, not quite knowing yet. So, so yeah. take me into the conscious conception piece. So we didn't, we both were, I think uncertain. Like I said, the, my previous relationship, I was like, nope, not having kids. So that's kind of what I've been saying. And I'm, I'm a very, like, <laughs> I change my mind a lot about things, um, in general in my life. And when I have an opinion, I'm like pretty strong about it. So, you know, and I'm kind of extreme, like an example is I, I used to be like, I hate little dogs. And I'm just like, I hate little dogs. I just, that's who I am. I don't like little dogs. Well, I now own a seven pound dog. Um, so wait, wait, I, you got another dog. I, yeah. <laughs> oh, I didn't know that. I only know about your bigger dog. She's a seven pound oh, chihuahua yeah. dachshund. So I changed my mind about things that I had strong opinions about. Um, so, you know, I was, and, and people in my life just kind of know they're like, that's just Kim sometimes. And, and I, that's just who I am. But so I would, would, a lot of people were like, oh, you don't want to have kids. Like, that's what you're saying. And then, you know, I just, I started to think like, well, if I was going to have kids, it would be with this person for sure. And, you know, he's so great at taking care of me. He'd be so great at being a father. And, um, you know, just, so we kind of started to talk about it. It was like a lot of little conversations, but even at the time of our wedding, there was no like decisions. He had always said like, probably not going to have kids. Um, for him, there's a lot of like, just, he's really passionate about the environment and he had thought a lot about like, 
overpopulation and, and had always been like, well, maybe if I did, I would adopt. It just wasn't certain that he wanted to do that or he, I don't know, but he also always said, never say never. That's like always been his, his mantra about the whole, like, will I have kids thing? It's like, well, I'll never say never to anything. Um, but so, so I remember, I don't know, at a certain point after our wedding, I think I started to feel like, oh, you know what? I do want to have kids. And then I suddenly was like, I want to have this man's baby. So I started to get a very intense baby fever and just like, was just like, oh man, I really want this. And so at first I was like a little nervous because he'd still sort of been like, I don't know. And, and I, so we just started talking about it and we talked a lot and we had a lot of conversations over several months. Um, we got married a year ago in August of the last, I really, after our wedding, I feel like I started to, yeah, it was after we got married. I was just like, and now I want to have your babies. <laughs> um, so we talked a lot about like, okay, well, if we do it, it's still like a little while ways away. Um, but then like time keeps moving and I'm just like feeling it more and more. Um, and we're talking more about it. And then towards the end of last year, the conversation, and I do think I, I should point out here that it's interesting that this kicked in for you as you are stopping attending abusive birth. Yeah. Because that's gotta be related. Like knowing, knowing that you're exiting this system and, and probably like separating out these things a little bit, I imagine would give a lot more room for safety and comfort in that. So at this point I had really, um, gotten, I was still attending births, but I was pretty firm with my boundary. I was like, you know, like you said, I was very, I, I, was really a lot more careful about who I was working with. And I was doing a lot fewer births too. That was an important thing for me. But so not, so at that point I was mostly doing home births or, um, a few hospital births, but very like only to the hospitals that I, you know, felt like, okay, I'll go there. Anyways, I, I, so I'd shifted my birth work in some ways, a lot more boundaries. Um, and, but I knew in my heart, like I was going to stop eventually because it was just like, I can't keep, you know, and until, yeah, unless I'm like only attending free births or yeah, something, exactly. <laughs> which is just hard to do, but, um, but not impossible. But anyways, um, yeah, so the conversation, so those things were very parallel. So the conversation started to get a lot more serious. And then also around this time, I started to learn a lot more about fertility and about tracking my cycle. Um, and I just got really interested in that. And I read like taking charge of your fertility. I was listening to your podcast a lot. I was just learning a lot more things about like, Oh, my body. And, and, um, you know, yeah, I think tracking my cycle and getting really comfortable with that and like learning my body changed a lot for me too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, me too. Um, so I, you know, was starting to do that. And so then in like January of this last year or towards the end of the year, I said, you know what? I had an IUD in at the time. And I was like, I don't want to have this IUD in anymore. And it was kind of in the decision of like, we're we were feeling like, yeah, we're going to have kids. We kind of arrived there, but it was still like probably a year away. Um, and cause he didn't feel ready. And I was, I felt like I probably was ready though. I knew it wasn't. And there was still a little more we had to do, but I decided, I told him like, I don't, I reached this place. Like, I don't want this thing in me anymore. I want to take it out. So I want to use fertility awareness method. And so we had discussions about that. He was like comfortable. We were both like on board. Um, so I was tracking. And so in January I had the IUD removed and that was like kind of a really empowering experience yeah. for me. 
Hell yeah, totally. <laughs> to just be like, because the first time I wasn't in any kind of birth control. And, oh, it's a big um, deal. Yeah, and it felt very freeing. And I remember actually like the, um, uh, I also was like getting into self-exam. So looking at my own cervix and had found a really awesome group of people where we were doing that and learning about that with each other. Um, and so I, I remember when I got my IUD out, I had asked to put the cerv- or the speculum in. And my, the doctor was like, huh? Like she was like so confused. And she was like, what? Like, and I was like, yeah, I I like all the time. Like I look at my own cervix and she was like, why would you do that? (laughs) And I think I just was like, because I I want to like, like, why do you do it lady? (laughs) Yeah. Jeez. (laughs) I think I did. I think I did do it. And, um, but it was just, it really left like a sour taste in my mouth. Cause why didn't you, why didn't you have a midwife take it out? I don't know. I think because I really wanted it like urgently and I had yeah. Kaiser and mm-hmm. yeah, I just, it was what I had to do. Yeah. <laughs> um, because I did think about having a midwife do it. I should have. But anyways, and she was just very like, uh, and I said, I mentioned like, yeah, I think cause she's like, you know, you can get pregnant now. I'm like, yes, I'm aware. <laughs> but uh, I did the like, I also am using fertility awareness meant like, I she's know, like, I whatever, do. dumb hippie. yeah exactly and she was just like well when you want to get pregnant just start taking prenatal vitamins and have sex and that's all it takes or something like that and I was just like rolled my eyes like whatever I'm done and I remember walking out of the hospital and being like I am not walking into hospital again I mean other I did still have some births I was committed to but like for myself until like you know I get into like a serious car like I need to for like a life at this point, <laughs> wait, okay, so this was January of this year? Of yeah, 2018? Mm-hmm. Okay, so, so. Yeah, 2018. So. Like, what year? Um, at this point, do you already know that whenever you get pregnant, you're going to have a wild oh, yeah. pregnancy and free birth? I kind of skipped over that. <laughs> um, I was pretty certain, but I hadn't, I wouldn't say it was 100%. So, at once the conversation of having kids started, I was like, obviously I'm not giving birth in a hospital. Um, and I, so I was still kind of like maybe a midwife and, but I, and so I had a few specific midwives in mind that in LA that I thought maybe, um, and I, and I did work with some of that and it just, you know, ended up afterwards deciding like, Nope, actually don't, I don't want that. But, um, so well, I, that's, we I, got, I we're saying, so lucky, right. That we got to, <laughs> you know, we kind of get insider info. Yeah, we get to go to all these births and be like, yeah. Oh, never mind. Yeah. yeah. So I would say in January, I was still a little bit like, well, maybe I want a midwife. I even, I remember thinking like, I kind of want to have a midwife that I can call if I want them to come, but like, maybe I won't want them to come. Sure, it's understandable. And I, was, I was not sure, but I, but I did actually already know who I wanted to be my doula, <laughs> which was my good friend, Stevie. Um, and we, because I just, we had a really great connection and I just thought like, I really trusted her and I, and, and I remember her having it, her and I like have the first time we ever talked about it and I said, I'm going to give birth someday. And and, like, I want you there. And we both like had these images and visions Mm. of me giving birth and it was really beautiful. And it was just very like, yes, of course I want you there. Like I trust you and I want your energy. So I felt very certain about that, but I wasn't certain about everything else. And then it didn't take long. It was just like a few more months, um, after I had my IUD out and I was tracking and, 
And um, at that point, I didn't want to get pregnant and, and it was working. I wasn't getting pregnant because I knew what was going on in my body. And, um, you know, I knew when like when when we had to wrap it up or when to <laughs> when to avoid, having yeah. sex, you know, and and so and I, that gave me a lot of confidence mm-hmm. to be, because I think at first there was a little bit of like, does this really work? Hell like, yeah. Oh, yeah it does. Like, can it I does. really trust myself? Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Um, so that confidence definitely helped um, or that definitely helped build my confidence. And then, yeah, then there was just a period of time again. It's like, it was also procedure or like process oriented. I don't know, remember the exact moment, but I just remember starting to, it was like, I was trying it on and saying like, I'm going to have a free birth. Yeah. And I should mention that, that actually your birth and your birth story and, um, you know, and, and talking to you while you're, uh, while you were pregnant and all was certainly like watching a friend and a peer go through it and like see that she could do it definitely made me be like, Oh, well, if Emily could do it, I, I think I could do it too. Hell yeah! And you know, and that definitely helped a lot. So, and that was happening. Yeah. Around the same time. So, you know, not long after you gave birth, I think I, I did start saying to people like, I'm, I'm going to have a kid at some point and I'm going to, I'm going to have a free birth. And I remember like everything, you know, yeah, just getting more confident. And the more I said it, the more I was like, Hell yeah, I'm gonna have a free birth. Like just feeling a lot stronger in it. Um, I'm like, I'm gonna have a six pound dog and a free birth. <laughs> <laughs> I changed my mind. <laughs> and so I just started to to really begin to own that. And I remember talking about it with Stevie, and Stevie was like so supportive. Stevie's very much a radical doula, and and she also and she was like, yes, of course, like you can do this. I love it. Like just very. Um, on board. And, and the other piece was when I started talking about that to Jacobs, my husband, he was like, yeah, all right. Like we could do that. Why not? And, um, he was like, Good boy. <laughs> yeah. And because he knew like the, the you know, right. he was very much like, well, you're not going to a hospital. Yeah, sure. exactly. Because, like I said, he was, he was the one like holding me while I was crying. Exactly. About, about watching women be ripped and th- you know, mm-hmm. things like that. And so he was, it was always like, he was always on board with like, well, definitely not a hospital. Um, and yeah. And he just, I remember watching him like be, he wasn't nervous about it. So that gave me more confidence too. Mm-hmm. We had a few conversations like discussing concerns, which, you know, his concerns were the normal concerns that he'd have. He's he just like, I just worry about something happening to you. And it's like, and we, but we discussed like something could happen to me wherever I give birth. Like, That's the thing, right? Know, it's like this, ma- this like notion <laughs> that a midwife being present yeah. somehow takes away anyone or having to face hospital, which... the reality of rare complications or the whole, what if, what if like a midwife doesn't just all of a sudden make a birth super like all so much it's not magic yeah it's so interesting (laughs) you know we had a lot of conversations about death and um and how that's a part of the process and 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 really discussing like what our comfort levels were and and, um just accepting that that not all outcomes are positive and and but that doesn't necessarily I don't know how to phrase this but um just our, our comfort with trusting processes and um I just because I'm in the hospital does not guarantee that a negative outcome isn't going to happen. And actually, in my opinion, it um, increases the risk of a negative outcome happening because of, of the various other traumas that could happen. 
Um, I mean, really, for, from your and I's perspective, I would say it actually guarantees a negative outcome. Yes. yes, you are extremely likely to have a live baby because most babies do survive the birth process, but... We know all the other things yeah. that that are, you know, not just likely, but they will occur if you're in the hospital. Yeah. And so kind of what I decided, and this was also came into making the decision to have a wild pregnancy and not doing all the tests yeah. and all of that was like, you know what, if there is a, something like there's a, there's a chromosomal abnormality, abnormality. Okay, say it again. Say it again. <laughs> chromosomal, you can say it. Chromosomal abnormality. Got it. Um, or anything wrong, you know, I'm going to trust that, like, if that's what was meant to happen, then I'm not going to get in the way of the process of that is going to happen. You know, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen either way. And whether or not I do a test or whether or not I give birth in hospital isn't going to change that outcome. And, um, and I think right there, it really comes down to philosophy of life. Um, and how you would respond to certain things, because I think the yeah. only really two reasons to uh, try to gain all this information um, through industrialized, you know, system is if you are going to terminate the pregnancy um, or if you were of the perspective that you needed to be as prepared, air quotes, um, you know, as possible for said thing. But of course the irony of that is that there's so many false positives and there's so many, um, false positives of ultrasounds and even the blood tests. That's kind of interesting too, because right, like we know, because we walk with women, how many women are told, oh, your baby could have brain damage. Your baby could have downs. Your baby could have, and then they're freaking stressed out. And then they have a totally, uh, average or whatever the right word is baby, um, just a baby. So interesting. <laughs> yeah, that's, well, that was, you know, yeah, I saw that happen a lot of times. And so that, that was one of the things I realized. And, and I talked, we talked about, um, and thinking about like the tests and stuff. I'm like, it doesn't, it doesn't help anything. <laughs> and if anything, it just makes people stress more. And that's more, uh, that's a negative thing to me. Um, so yeah. So you're 12 weeks. So I'm 12 weeks pregnant. So let me speed through the, so conscious conception or when we, once I got the, um, IUD out, it was like, okay, we, I don't have IUD at some point. Like we do want to get pregnant. Um, so we're just, we, we set arbitrary dates for ourselves at first. It was like, let's start trying at the end of the year. And we, we had this idea to like do a trip and, Maybe we would do it then. And then we kind of kept moving that up because it just felt like, you know what, actually, maybe like we're getting closer. And then eventually we were like August or August of 2018, we're going to do it. We're just going to start. And so we, we planned like sort of how we wanted that to look like. Um, but then <laughs> um, come like June, we were like feeling, I don't know, I, I guess it was just like, we just started to feel more ready. Um, so I guess it was the end of June. (laughs) Um, when the week that I was ovulating, we just decided like, let's, let's just like have you, let's just do it. Like, don't pull out this time. (laughs) It was kind of, I mean, it was a little bit more than that, but, but we just, um, I think both of us just decided like, let I like, we want, we want to do this. So, so we're diving in. As we, yeah, basically as we were getting closer, oh, and another piece to it, the thing that had been really important to Jacob before deciding to have a family was getting a house. 
um, that was actually a really huge, important thing to him was like, he wanted to buy a house. And so he, um, and I was like less on board with that because I actually thought that buying a house in LA was scarier than um, having a kid (laughs) because it is. Houses are expensive. I was like, I am not scared of getting pregnant and having no, no, kids. Living but... in a studio with a kid and two dogs and your man <laughs> might be a little scary too if you That's can avoid true. it. <laughs> but, you know, I just, I was really scared of that. So I was resisting it a little mm-hmm. bit. But then we started, we started to look at houses. Um, and so we, it just got more comfortable. So right around the time that we started to look at houses, we, um, the conversation shifted to like, we're, we're ready. We're ready to, to start calling in the baby. So what we, we call, we decided to call the summer, the summer of love. Um, <laughs> so we're like, in the, okay, in the summer, it's going to be our summer of love. And it was Cute. really important to us that we enjoyed the process. Yeah. So I had been tracking and we decided, you know what, like, let's not do that. Like I just decided that I wasn't, I wasn't even going to like do any of my tracking anymore. We were just kind of like, I wasn't going to temp or anything because it was too stressful to me. Um, we were just going to have sex <laughs> when it felt right. And, um, and our rule was like, it had to be enjoyable. It couldn't be forced. Um, and it had, you know, it had to be like, we were doing it because we wanted to. So, um, and all of those things are just tools, right? Because they yeah. give us information. So if let's say you had actually tried for six months and it wasn't happening, well, then you probably would have called in those tools again to really make sure you were hitting the yeah. right day. But I think it's beautiful was, to just, yeah, you totally. started out super relaxed. And Not that, that it wouldn't just, be relaxed with those tools. Yeah. But for me, like for I'm, you, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm much, I, I like to control things <laughs> and that's sort of always been my comfort level for better, or for worse. And so it just really, yeah, we, we made the decision. The plan was if I wasn't pregnant by the fall, then, right. then we'd start introducing, mm-hmm. you know, tracking again. Like there were, we, I had kind of like a general outline cause I like plans of, um, mm-hmm. like, yeah. Yeah. Oh, and I should say that I had decided I was going to, my last birth was going to be in August and I actually had a birth for scheduled for the end of August, a home birth. And then they, they decided a few months before that they wanted to go with a different doula, um, which had never happened to me ever. And it's such (laughs) Um, a blessing. And I remember they wrote me an email and I remember reading that email and being like, I'm going to be pregnant by then. Mm. Like that was what I thought, um, which I was, but, and so I just was like, okay, like this is cool. Like I'm not supposed to go to that birth. So I already had someone for early August and I just, my plan was, well, I'll try to get pregnant like early August, um, or around when I'm ovulating in August so that it's not interfered. Cause I felt pretty strong that I did not want to go to anyone's birth while I was pregnant. Yeah, me too. Um, and that felt important to me, but then I guess it was early July rolled around early July, late June, whatever it was. Um, and we just kind of decided for our summer of love to start there. (laughs) And I didn't, I thought in my head, I was like, you know, it's going to take maybe two or three months. That's just sort of what I assumed. Um, so I was pretty like, I felt good about it. Um, and, and I had a, a trip planned, to go visit one of my best friends in Tennessee. And I was saying that was my maiden voyage. Um, cause I was going to go on, you know, on a trip by myself and, um, you know, not be on call and just like enjoy being with my friend out in the woods or, or on the farm. She lives on the farm and she like poops outside and <laughs> she's, she lives in a, in a cabin and has this like 
I think, beautiful homestead life. Um, So my plan was to do that in, um, when was that? End of July. Um, So, yeah, so we we have unprotected sex (laughs) beginning of June. Um, And the week after, I started thinking, I think I might have gotten pregnant. <laughs> I just started, I just started thinking about it a lot. And, um, so I, I had all these plans. I was like, you know what, let's go have like this big sushi dinner. And like, I'm going to get in a hot tub. I'm like going to do these things or I'm like, have my last like few beers or whatever, just things that like, I'm going to probably cut back on. I don't, I also, part of my conscious conception was I had, um, changed my diet a lot. I had completely cut out alcohol and caffeine to that point and cut way back on sugar. I just sort of had a feeling, um, and I remember when, yeah, so we, we had this like big sushi dinner and I, the night before I, or I got a hotel room for myself the night before I went to, on my trip. Um, and I just had this like glorious day of laying in bed and reading a book all day and like masturbating and just like a very full, like whatever Kim wants to do Mm -hmm. kind of day. And surprisingly, I just stayed in bed and made myself gum all day. (laughs) 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 <laughs> like I had all these other plans but <laughs> it was a great it was a, yeah. it was a, a great day and it's a me and day at right that there point, I I think I just I kind of knew I knew I just had a feeling that I might be pregnant um but I I don't know it, it was like all a part of the plan was like I that's what I would have done anyways even if I wasn't pregnant but I I um the day that Jacob took me to my hotel I remember being like oh I want to stop at, um, office depot or something, I want to get a journal cause I want to start, um, keeping a journal for the baby because we're, you know, at that point I, we knew that I could be pregnant. We officially started calling them in. So I want, I like found this adorable little giraffe journal and, um, I was like, I'm going to start now, like on this trip and I'm just going to write to them. And I just want to write to them about like this journey and how it's going and, or whatever I want to write. Um, and so I got that and, and I like started writing to them that day. And I don't think I wrote about how I spent all day masturbating and lying in bed. But, <laughs> I was like, but I... <laughs> dear, di- dear child, today was a wonderful day. <laughs> oh my God, but... that's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> but I did, but I think I did say like, I kind of think that you might be uh, in me now. <laughs> I don't know, something like cool. that. But it was, it was, and so those, like, it was like a week or two um, where I was just kind of, like had this feeling, but, but didn't want to get too excited, I guess. But, but also just, I was just like, I just want to be in the moment and yeah. enjoy like day to day. Um, and so I, I go and see my friend and we had a great time and we were like, like swimming naked in waterfalls and an early and pregnancy her. is cool because it is very, just like, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Like either are, like, you are, it just is. Yeah. And, and I just, and I wasn't going to get stressed about it and I right. wasn't going to be like, Hard of my, I don't know. It just, yeah, it was just like I'm just gonna keep living my life <laughs> because at to this point, that's what all I need to do. Um, and, and actually, I, and I, for the rest of your life, that's all you have to do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, totally. So, did you um, wind up taking a test? Not, not till I got back. But so I was feeling like the only way I could describe it is like lots of pangs in my uterus. I describe it as like it felt like construction. Um, it wasn't cramps. It wasn't painful, but I was feeling just like pokes and prods Mm -hmm. in my uterus during this time. 
Um, and then I was like, hmm, interesting and, and kind of like intrigued by it. And, um, but, and would tell, you know, it's like texting Jacob, like I'm feeling these things. And the other thing I was doing is, um, ch- checking my cervix. Cause I, that was just a part of my fertility awareness is like the cervical fluid, checking cervical fluid and the positioning of my cervix. Um, so I was supposed to get my period while I was in mm, Tennessee, Okay, which maybe you remember, cause I remember texting you like. I haven't gotten my period, but, um, <laughs> I, so I knew, so I, and, and my plan was to bring my, my, um, cup, my menstrual cup with me, um, on the trip because I, like we had conversations. I was like, I might be pregnant, but I might not be and you know, and I don't want, want to get sad about it. Or if I do, it's, I, I was okay with being sad about it. My plan was if I did bleed, I was going to bleed into the earth, um, because I was, you know, going to be in my friend's farm. And so I was planning to just, um, sit in the ground and, and bleed into the ground and, and, you know, like, okay, we'll keep calling the baby in. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, but I forgot my menstrual cup and we were driving to the airport <laughs> and I was like, Oh, That's I funny. forgot it. And he's like, do you want to go get it? And I was like, no, no, it's okay. Like I'll, I can figure it out. Or I'm just going to bleed into the earth anyways. Um, you're like, I'm and, sure she'll have mason jars. <laughs> yeah, she has something. And kind of jumping around, but the my previous cycle, before I got pregnant, I remember, like, while I was bleeding, I, I was just, like, really tired on a day, and I was mm. laying in my bed, and I remember thinking, I had this very strong thought, this is your last time bleeding for a long time, so enjoy it. And I thought, hmm, I'm going to free bleed. So I just, I had like two hours before I had to go wherever I was. So I just like laid in my bed on a towel and just bled, um, or just let myself like mm-hmm. lay there. And, um, and, and I had, and yeah, and it was just this thought that was like, this is the last bleed. Cool. Um, and that was actually before, like, cause, because when we decided to start calling the baby and it was really like in the moment. <laughs> so I still, at this point, we were still planning to wait till August right. and it was not August. So, so yeah, that. It was all like, we were just slightly ahead of schedule, um, <laughs> but it was kind of spur of the moment, which is, which was perfect for us. Um, so yeah, so then I'm, I'm in Tennessee and I'm having this great time and I'm checking my cervix and I'm realizing my cervix is not dropping. Like mm. usually when I, to bleed and I normally, I have pretty short cycles, like they're like 20, 24 days. Um, which by the way, I had been told was abnormal and that it would possibly mean that I wouldn't get pregnant. Of course, of course someone told you that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it was like, but I'm, but I'm like regular and I'm healthy. And I, so anyways, <laughs> yeah. don't believe those things. Nope. But, um, <laughs> uh, so it was just, yeah. And just noticing and sharing all the stuff with my friend, like my cervix is still really high and no blood. And so then like, usually I get my period like the day before I think I'm going to get it. So that day passes, no, no blood. And then the next day, the day it was supposed to start Saturday no blood. And then Sunday, no blood. And just like each day that passes, I'm like, okay, (laughs) I'm not bleeding. This never happens. I always get it early. Um, and then it came the day for me to go home. And I remember just like being very emotional that day. I was sad to say goodbye to my friend, cry. We both cried. And then on the airplane, I was like, there was a mom with a baby and just that sight made me cry. <laughs> and then when I got to the Sounds airport, like I pregnancy. <laughs> and I started feeling tired. And, you know, so at this point it, it, my period had been missed, but I decided I wasn't going to take a test until with Jacob. And I was still like, yeah. I don't know, do I want to take one? But I wanted to be with him, even though my friend was like, kind of die. Like she was like, should we go get oh, a I'm test? Sure. <laughs> and I was like, no, I made this promise. 
but I was that day that he picked me up and, and he knew, he knew everything that was going on. Um, I called him when I got to the airport and he wasn't there yet or he was running late and I just started bawling, <laughs> which was like an extreme reaction. Like I was like, you're not here. And I just like cried and went into the bathroom in the airport and was just like crying. And and then I was like, what is going on with me? Like, why am I crying so That's much? Awesome. It was very weird, but I was like, I am pregnant. <laughs> like I just, I did in each day. It was just like, I'm pregnant. Like just accept mm-hmm. it. Um, and when he, you know, finally picked me up and he took one look at me and just hugged me and he was mm. like, I love you and you're definitely pregnant. Yeah, <laughs> that's cute. Because I was like crying. <laughs> He's like, this is, this isn't how you normally are. Um, but I, and I still, and then at that point I was like, well, like, I think we need to get, we need to buy a test. I want to take one. And I insisted on buying two different kinds. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It just felt right in the moment. And I took one, or I was taking them, I think while he was peeing, because <laughs> it said in the box, like, it takes two to three minutes. And so he's like, do I have time to pee? And I was like, yeah. And he was peeing while it, but it changed like immediately. Like yeah. it was like, I peed on it and then it was like instantly like the two lines. And I was like, I'm pregnant. I think I just shouted it out and he was still peeing. <laughs> he was like, why didn't you wait till I was done peeing? He's like, dude, you I'm waited like, all <laughs> week and then I'm actually here. <laughs> That's funny. But, you know, we were in the studio apartment still, so. Um, <laughs> Hold on. I have a we're... clarifying question. If yeah. he was peeing, where were uh-huh. you? Don't you have to pee? I, where, where I dipped it into, I peed into a glass and then brought the glass oh. into the other room and dipped it into the glass. I'm like picturing you, Kim. I'm picturing you like over your sink <laughs> in your kitchen. Because I was worried that I wouldn't pee on it or I don't know. I was just like, I'm going to dip it into a glass. <laughs> so, yeah, so he's peeing while I'm, like, dipping a stick into my a glass of my pee um, in a studio apartment. It's yeah. very glamorous. Mm-hmm. And, and so then I was pregnant. And, um, and yeah, and then he left town the next day. Oh, I had nice. been out of town for a week. <laughs> he left town the next day. <laughs> and I was just suddenly like, oh, I'm pregnant. And uh, I still didn't really believe it, and it, mm-hmm. I don't know. And I was really tired, but I did believe it, but I didn't. Yeah. You know, it's just like it's, it's like all suspension. A, oh, it's, and it's so heady, and it's just there's a lot of mind games. But um, and, and I don't I think, think those ever stop. Yeah, well, they like, have not stopped yet. Yeah, so. <laughs> I mean, I they didn't stop my whole pregnancy, and even now, like it's still heady and some somewhat can be like disassociative and super weird you know my mom my mom has three grown children and she said she still looks at us and is like are you guys really mine like you know so you came out of me yeah I think that's I think that's forever yeah I I'm imagine well I remember talking to you during your I remember when you were like you had like a breakdown at 38 weeks (laughs) or I remember even just like afterwards I remember you being like I, I'm like, I might not be pregnant. Maybe it's just, I think one time you told me, like, maybe I'm just growing, like, a, a bag of goo. Like a something. bag of bones and goo. It's disgusting. <laughs> like, okay. I even had a we'll name out. for it. I had a name for it in case it was a bag of bones and goo. Oh, yeah. It was the 36-week breakdown, and I was like, I for right. sure am not going to love this kid. I don't want to be a parent. What did I do? But that was, like, the heady – that was the most – um emotional but otherwise I would just be like I'm pretty sure I'm not pregnant like yeah like the baby died or (laughs) the baby doesn't have a face or 
Yeah. It was just very <laughs> like just being in that unknown is really what it is. Yeah. It's, but it's such a necessary part of this process, I think. And, um, you know, and I'm very much in it right now and I, and, and it's hard, but it's also kind of awesome. And I, I love that I haven't had any ultrasounds or anything because it, it, this is mine. Exactly. Like nobody else gets to see anything like about, or hear my baby's heartbeat before I do or anything like that, because like, this is mine and I will not let that go. And I, I will not let anyone take that autonomy away from me. Um, and so even though it is like heady and, and weird, I actually like really love mm-hmm. it, sort of the secrecy of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> privacy, intimacy, yeah. and intimacy that no one else and... is like validating anything for you so that you, yeah. you don't get to, you don't get out of the work, you know, yeah. that you have to just really be in it and it is uncomfortable. And I'm not implying that it's, that's, there's not work with assisted pregnancies. Of, no, cor- of, of course, course there is pregnancy. <laughs> there is, it, I mean, exactly. It's life. It's everything. But there it's is hard. a uniqueness to not having anyone else participate in or manage or validate, um, or like you said, listen or look in, there's a particular uniqueness of that work that you really deep, just push deep into this, like trusting yourself (laughs) and the like Um, surrender, just what will be and, and Mm -hmm. not having, you don't get these little kind of shortcuts almost of, you know, like, outside reassurance, um, which is not bad. It's just a different way of doing it. <laughs> so give me, we got to wrap up here. So give me kind so of quick oh, rundown of my pregnancy. Yeah. Somewhere. Just like what speak to this, this 12 weeks. Yeah. We already know we're a couple weeks in now in the conversation of what we've already yeah. covered. Cause by the time you found so, out you're pregnant, you were already how many weeks? J- yeah. Jacob left town and then I started to get nauseous. <laughs> um, nausea started about like week five and um, it started first just nausea for a few days and not throwing up. And I, I was like, um, you know, and I think like, cause it, yeah, I was, I was just kept questioning. Like I, I took a few more pregnancy tests cause I was like, I don't believe it. Even though I was like actually having a lot of symptoms, like pretty fast, my boobs got huge. They were really so- sore. Um, smells got crazy right away. Um, and, and yeah, and just very fast. And, and, and I started telling people pretty quickly. I didn't feel like I didn't want to, I wasn't like really keeping it a secret or anything. I, I was, t- and people seemed really surprised by that. Like when I would tell them and, um, and I, and they'd be like, Oh, you're only five weeks. Like, and I was like, yeah, but I'm pregnant. Like, and if it, if it stops, it stops. Right. But like, this is what it is for me right now. I'm pregnant. <laughs> I don't know. I just think that was a, that's a weird thing that happened. I don't know that people feel like they have to keep it secret and, um, you know, in case they miscarry and, but, and I was always like, well, then I will tell everybody that too, because I'm going to be really sad. Right. Right. Well, that's it. Right. Exactly. I mean, I think that's kind of the cardinal rule is to only share with people that you would also share about a loss. And if you're, if you're telling people, if you're an open person who's telling people, um, and I do think obviously it's different when someone's experienced like multiple losses or um, been trying for a really long time or whatever. There's so many other ways of experiencing this. I want to minimize that that, for sure. That feel really different. But anyway, so you were like telling people starting to feel nauseous. Yeah. And you know, and I was again, also just still kind of shocked that like it happened the very first time that, that we were like, 
I figured it would. <laughs> oh, shocker. I know you I was. I still am. I still am like, I can't believe it. I thought the party thought I wouldn't be pregnant yet. But um, yeah, and so then the nausea started and then then I just started vomiting. <laughs> and um I have been throwing up essentially every day, apart from a couple magical days, um oh. since like that about the end middle of week five. Um, and yeah, that has been hard. Mm, <laughs> um, it's definitely, it's been really brutal and I have just had to, um, change my life. Like I, I, I only can do what I have to do. Like I, I am working still, like I'm, I'm babysitting right now a little bit. And, um, that was one of the things. So I, when I decided to stop attending births, I was like, well, I'll do more like postpartum work and babysitting. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of doing that. But I right now just babysitting, keeping it simple and teaching yoga and I'm still doing it, but it's like, it's hard. I mean, everything is just like, I had really intense food aversions. I've been eating really bland foods. Um, and yeah. And then, and in this time we also opened escrow in a house and closed escrow. So we bought a house, um, that happened, started the week after we found out or we took the pregnancy test. Um, we opened escrow and my husband was out of town a lot. And so it was just like so many crazy life just happening at once, which is maybe partially why I'm having such an intense physical. It's been just very physical. Um, and well, I mean, ideally, ideally we'd live in a world where a newly pregnant woman experiencing nausea could just like lay in bed and be taken care of for three three months or whatever. I can't, you know, I'm, and I I am trying to do that on days when I can, but you know, it's not, not every day. Does it feel um, like so it's, it's shifting at all now at 12 weeks? Um, well, I, I've had a few days. I haven't thrown up today, so that's positive. My, my appetite is starting to come back. So nice. I've, I've started to be, been able to eat vegetables again, which is nice because yeah. I really couldn't. Um, so that was exciting. But I, the last few days I had some like really big vomiting days. Like yesterday I threw up like eight times and the Damn. day before. And so Do you feel like you're been... able to stay hydrated? Yeah, I'm still peeing and I, and you know, and I'm, I'm monitoring my weight, like just to make sure I'm not losing too much. I haven't really lost a lot. Um, but I even if actually, you were losing too much, like, yeah, I mean, what is too much? I mean, yeah, you'll be I, fine. Just, I just kind of like, it just felt good to me to be like, <laughs> am I like, it's reassuring. Know, I, yeah. It's nothing too crazy is happening. And I think I'm staying hydrated enough because I'm still peeing. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> so I mean, I, the- I know a lot of women who lose weight in their first trimester and then, um, you know, and then gain it later when they're feeling better. And I also yeah. know women who have only been able to eat like waffles and potatoes for four months. Yeah. You just do what you got to do. Yeah. And then, you know, so a few people have, because a lot of people in my life know, or everyone pretty much knows that I'm doing this the way I'm doing it, that I don't have a doctor because people ask me and I'm like, no, I haven't. And me and family is supportive, but my, um, I have had, like, I think my in-laws are, you know, they, they will sometimes be like, well, don't you feel like you want to go to a doctor because you're so sick? And I'm what just would like, they I do? know. Exactly. That's what I say is like, well, there is literally nothing that they can do for me. Like they'll just tell me that it's normal or, you know, like if I am dehydrated, put me on an IV. I'm like, I don't, I don't feel like it hasn't gotten to that point. And that's what I'm I'm like, if I was truly like passing out and like for real dangerously dehydrated, then sure. Put me on an IV, but you would go, you would go to get an IV. You wouldn't go Mm -hmm. to be like, doctor, blah, blah, blah. And, And I've had that conversation with my 
doula that if I, if it really did get that bad, that I'd want her to come with me. So, um, because I'm like, I do not want them to listen to the baby. I don't want, like, I basically just want to be like, put fluids in me. Don't Honestly, you know, do anything. I wouldn't even, <laughs> I wouldn't even tell them you're pregnant. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's probably what I would do. If you weren't, if, it. yeah, if you could avoid it because it would be a, I mean, you're, this isn't going to happen to you, but if anyone is no. listening and they do find themselves in that position, like, it, it it's going to be a rare day that you, you know you can yeah, would, wrap I your would head around just be like i'm dehydrated yeah exactly. rehydrate me um but i would probably still have my doula come with me just in case like yeah, yeah why I not felt, you know and yeah exactly so, that, that i think that's such a good point to highlight of of this kind of knee-jerk reaction around well you know you don't feel good or this is happening this is happening so shouldn't you see a doctor and it's like well let's just pause for a minute and really investigate what would happen if we mm-hmm. went, you know, I, I, you know, about my near drowning incident when I was like mm-hmm. right around where you were, I think I was like 13 weeks and, and I had my knee jerk reaction was like, should I go make sure the baby's okay? And then I yeah. was like, hold up. What does that even mean? Who mm-hmm. tells me if my baby's okay? Nobody yeah. can tell me if my baby's okay, except for me. And even if I don't know, that's okay. You know, and I really had to repeatedly throughout the pregnancy as, yeah. as you will too, you know, be like, hold up, what is actually available to me in these systems? And you and I have such the, um, you know, we have the Intel because we work in this field. So we actually know it's not that there's anything magical going on there that they can nope. somehow tell. It's actually quite uh, rudimentary and, and unreliable. It is very unreliable. And, and they're, you know, working so much with guessing and estimates. Right. And there's a lot of that. And, and people don't realize like, Ever, so much of what they tell you is like they don't actually know either right and that's of course not and that's, you <laughs> they're know, not god the <laughs> yeah and and one of the things that i'm so happy that i really understand about birth is that at the end of the day there is so much we really just don't know um and nobody knows and we're not meant to know and so i think if you can kind of accept that and right. um be at peace with it then like you don't need to stress yourself out. Well, and it's not, it doesn't start and end with birth, right? Birth is not this like singular event. Like it's also life and death and how our day is going to go. And it's just being in relationship with the divine, you know, like it really is what it is. And if you can, if you can, or if you already are in relationship with the divine, um, the, whatever that means for you, you know, then, then your whole experience is going to be colored by that. Um, it's true. And I didn't really talk about that at all, but that is a huge part of, I guess I mentioned like seeing psychics and things, but, but that my like spiritual practice and my personal, um, spiritual practice or relationship with the divine, however you want to put it is another huge piece of just, um, who I am and, and, and how I've gotten to where I've gotten. And, and it's, it's a lot of, yeah, it's, it's a, it's the thing that, that I trust more than anything else. Right. Totally. Um, and yeah. And when, and when I decided really was like standing in the truth of, I want a free birth. Um, the, really the real reason is because I know that the only true authority that like I want in like when I'm giving birth and even like right now, um, is my intuition and, and like just whatever 
like what I trust and, and, and my body and, and the process, like the physiological process that to me is the greatest authority. Like birth herself is the greatest authority there is on birth. Right. And I don't want anyone stepping in the way of that. Mm-hmm. And I know that, and, and the, you know, and that's ultimately why I chose not to go with the midwife, mm-hmm. I think, because you know, that there's still an authority thing. And then there's lots of great, there's great midwives and wonderful. They're people, not allowed like, they are literally yeah. not allowed to let birth herself dictate the experience. Yeah, they, they, they agree have to, they to have sabotage. To keep they have to, yeah. Fuck and that. I just, I didn't want that. Yeah. So you know, and that just comes from yeah. Again, like this is that's the only thing I really trust. I trust birth more than I trust any other humans, and and I trust this process and uh, that it will be what it will be, um, whatever the outcome will be, and so you know, just reminding myself to, to sit with that every day and being so sick, um, really forces you to be in the present moment in mm-hmm. like a way that nothing else does. <laughs> Cause yeah. when you're like literally trying to survive, like just being like, I mean, I've had so many moments of just like driving and being like, Oh shit, I'm going to throw up on myself right now. Um, you know, and there's oh just, that, that's such a like present, like a yeah. very present moment. Um, you can't do anything else. And, and it's, I, I'm, I, it sucks like, cause it just sucks to throw up so much and it sucks to feel so crappy, but, but I'm really grateful for how much it's keeping me just like in this experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, there's something in that, so I'm just staying in the, in the experience. And then, and... Yeah. And then soon, you know, <laughs> when we we're gonna, um, you know, we're going to check back in in three months and, then you're going to be being kept in this experience in a whole other way, you know? So yeah. It'll be, we'll see what's shifting. Yeah. So it'll be cool. As much as it's hard, it's hard these days to be like, like I have days where I'm like, it's never going away. I'm not just forever. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to throw up every day of my life. Mm-hmm. That's like how I feel. <laughs> and it sometimes, you know, one thing that has been helpful is talking to other pregnant women. Because I, I teach prenatal yoga, I have, I get to like interact with other pregnant women a lot, which just like in that basic, like just talk, to another woman who's going through a similar experience is, is really nice. Like just that, you know, I've talked to the women that are like, yeah, this sucks. So like I'm puking a lot too, or, you know, just to be reminded that like, you're not alone. And totally. it normalizes the, it. Yeah. And, and that helps me way more than a doctor could. Right. Exactly. <laughs> you know, just being it normalized and, 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 and having, and feeling heard to, um, like feeling like, my experience is being seen and heard mm-hmm. for what it is. And, um, I feel like pregnant women are really much better at doing that than other people because a lot of other people will tell me like, it's going to get better or, you know, or just things that aren't helpful. But when I talk to someone else who's been through it recently or is going through it, there's much more of a like, yeah, man, like it sucks. It's I brutal. Yeah. And, you know, just kind of like, I see you and I hear you. And that's the thing that has been the most helpful for me these days it's just feeling like acknowledged mm. for how, for how hard this is and, mm-hmm. and like how it, like, it's a lot of work to grow a human and, um, and I'm, and I'm doing it again, something's yeah. happening. I'm still feeling, <laughs> hopefully I it's mean, not a bag of goo. Yeah. And this is just the beginning. <laughs> it's just the first trimester. And I'm, and I'm feeling a lot of, of that construction feeling still. Mm-hmm. So I know there's like, <laughs> like things I feel pressure and, um, I did, I had my hand on, on my belly the other day and I felt like a ripple under my hand and I was like, Ooh, that cool. was weird. Um, and so, you know, little things where it's just like, something's occurring. Something's um, definitely occurring. I'm pretty sure I know what it is. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay, so we I'm, do have I'm to wrap gonna... up because this was a super long episode. Um, okay, um, awesome. Well, let's let's leave it there. And thank you for your time. And this was awesome. And I'm excited. Sorry, to... it was so long. No, it's all good. I'm excited to, yeah, tune back in with you in another, let's say, twelve weeks or so, and yeah, and see see what's going on with you. Awesome. Thanks for doing this. It's just like nice to get to talk, share my experience. (laughs) I know. Plus I miss you. (laughs) I miss you too. That's it for today, everyone. Join us next week for another episode of the free birth podcast. Thanks for joining us. And remember your body, your choice, lots of love.